Welcome to the Alpha Male Coach Podcast, the only podcast that teaches men the cognitive mastery and alpha mindset that it takes to become an influential and irresistible man of confidence. Here's your host, certified life coach and international man of mystery, Kevin Ayo. What's up, my brothers? Welcome back to the Alpha Male Coach Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Ayo. And I want to give you guys an update on the retreat. The deadline for the retreat, the registration deadline, is September 11th. And the reason why I'm giving this deadline to you guys is because I want to give everyone who registers, everyone who wants to come out to Columbia, everybody who wants to come out and have this life-changing experience, I want to give you guys enough time to plan that. You know it's on October 8th. Okay, you know we're going to begin on October 8th. That is the day that we start. That's the day that you will be picked up from the airport. In fact, that's something else I want you guys to know. Everything's included except for your airfare. So however you get to the airport is on you, but we're going to pick you up at the airport. We start the retreat. We're going to drop you off at the airport at the end of the retreat. But it gives you two more weeks. It gives you two more full weeks to fill out the application, call in, ask questions if you have any. We still have a few more slots available. I will tell you that. I wouldn't be saying this if we didn't have a few more slots available. But I do want you guys to know it's all inclusive. Here's what we're going to do. And I said that we're all inclusive. You know, all you guys do is pay for your fare. Here's what I'm bringing to the retreat and what I'm really, really excited about. Number one, brothers, there is the ceremony. We are going to do the plant medicine ceremony. And that's kind of like right in between. It's kind of like right in the middle of the retreat. Because before that, what my role is going to do, and what you probably understand already from listening to the podcast, what my role is, is to help each individual participant, every brother that comes to the retreat, help them shift the perception, help them shift the cognitive stories from matter to energy. Not that you will lose your identity, right? Because losing your identity is a traumatic event, right? It's, it's something that doesn't ever really happen because you never really have an identity. It's just a story you tell yourself. But a lot of times, like, people get fired or they get divorced or, you know, somebody in their family dies and, and they go through this identity change. That's losing your identity because you're so attached to it. You're so attached to who you think you are that when disruptions occur that change that identity, we use the term lost my identity. But the truth is we're never really that thing. And the more we're attached to it, the more we suffer from it. So a part of that first section of the retreat is moving, shifting the perception from matter to energy, from particle to wave. Or as I've said before in and what I'll talk about many, many more times as the podcast continues to roll out and, and just as you guys continue to go on your journey, it's a shift from cellular to spiritual. It's a shift from the trauma of the body and the cells being held onto, right, before the consciousness was really there to adult itself. I mean, it's always there, but before it could assert itself as an adult, you know, the body is, has that trauma, and that's what we're looking at is it's what's, what's buried in the cells. And that's what we're going to do the second half of the retreat, is we're going to look at that cellular consciousness. What is in your what is in the consciousness of your cells? What are the thought patterns that are creating behavior patterns? Actually, the thought patterns are creating emotional patterns, right? You, you probably have one, two, or three emotions that come up often unconsciously that are your trigger emotions, right? Maybe you're triggered into feeling like a victim or you're triggered into feeling angry or you're triggered into feeling guilt or you're triggered into feeling something like, so what are these unconscious emotions? Because that's what's locked in the cell and we're going to get that out. 
That's what we're going to do the second half. We're going to do that after the plant medicine ceremony because the medicine is going to help to kind of agitate, to kind of release, kind of like, you know, knock that rust loose a little bit. And then the second half of the retreat, we're going to knock that out. We're going to make that cellular consciousness transition into spiritual consciousness. And brothers, the whole time, the whole retreat is about presence and detachment. It's about being in the moment, being here, living now with your energy, with your energy being, with your spiritual self here in the now. Instead of, and you can jump back and forth, you can play with it, you can experiment with your own consciousness, but instead of living in the identity that you're attached to, which is going to put you in the past, reaffirming that identity, or in the future, trying to achieve something through that identity. Presence and detachment. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about detachment in future podcast episodes, but really, brothers, at least the Buddha said, attachment is the cause of suffering. And he made that very clear and for a way to let go of that. I've talked to you guys about that through you're either attached to what you don't have, right? You're attached to a desire or a want. So you suffer because of lack. You suffer because you don't have it. Or you're attached to something that you do have, right? So now arises fear, fear of losing that. And that's where all of the suffering comes from, at least according to the Buddha. And we're going to look at all of that during the retreat. I know, it's one week, it's going to be packed, it's going to be fun. On top of that, you're going to have a lot of fun together because it's going to be a lot of work. Don't get me wrong, this is a working retreat. It's a transformational retreat, but it's going to be a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to meeting all you guys. Now, let's get into the podcast because this is a huge concept. It's a huge concept I'm going to introduce to you that the universe is not discovered by consciousness, but it's determined by consciousness. And brothers, I want to begin by saying at the most fundamental level, religion, spirituality, technology, science, government, healthcare, education, all of these external institutions, all these things that exist in the outer world, they all aim to advance the human species. You know, they all aim to improve and advance the human condition. And there's not much difference when it really comes to these things because the goals are the same. At the fundamental level, the goals are the same. At the fundamental level, the goal of religion is the same as the goal of science, even though there may seem to be some kind of some kind of controversy or conflict between these two industries. At the fundamental level, the goal is to advance the human condition. Each industry, every community, every sect believes that it contains the truth. And that's where we find the division. Right? Science thinks it has the answers, religion thinks it has the answers. Technology, government, healthcare, education, they are creating answers. They're all giving answers. And they all think they have the answer. However, fundamentally, again, I'll say fundamentally, the goals are always the same. The goals are always to end or reduce human suffering and improve the human condition. We are all here as humans trying to gain understanding of our world. We're trying to understand what is the universe. So a lot of us don't even think about the universe, right? A lot of us just think about our own little worlds. You know, what is life? What is my life? What is my house? What is my job? What is what is this? What is that? And some of us don't even go that far. But what we're trying to gain understanding of through our building up of ego, through our building up of identity, is that outer world. For some humans, this is done externally through industries and communities, right? But for all of us, for every single one of us, the way we gain an understanding of our world is done internally through mental and emotional self-management. Because remember, brothers, the outer and the inner are one. This is probably the most fundamental, the most important principles for you to understand. Our world, our outer world, all of the things, all the things I mentioned, religion, spirituality, technology, science, government, healthcare, education, 
all of the things, sports, entertainment, everything is a reflection of our inner consciousness, a reflection of our, our inner collective consciousness. And that's why we say whatever we see in the world is a reflection of ourselves. Whatever we don't like in the world, make the change on the inside first, make the inner change, and then we see the change in the world. We can use the outer world as a way to see and become aware of our own inner world, both individually and collectively. Now, individually, we look at our own life. We look at our relationships, we look at our life, we look at our, our jobs, our the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. But when we look at the outer world in totality, we look at nations, industries, communities, like I say, like the industry of religion, the industry of technology, the industry of government and healthcare. You know, these big communities, they are a reflection of all of us. They're a reflection of our collective. The outer world is actually the effect of the inner world. None of these things are causes, brothers. Religion doesn't cause peace. Science doesn't cause understanding. Government doesn't cause order. Healthcare doesn't cause health. These things are effects. Our peace, our inner peace, can be seen in the effect of our religions. And I can tell you that as collectively as a species, we are not at peace because our religions are not at peace. Technology, science, these things show us, these things are effects. You know, they're not the cause of our understanding. They're the effects of our understanding. We don't understand more and create science. You know, science is the effect of what we're understanding. Government is not the cause of order. We think, our human minds think, that if we create more government, we'll have more order. But government is not the cause. It's the effect. And based on how our governments operate, gives us a reflection of our own inner order. <laughs> Look at these governments, brothers. And you can see how in total chaos all of us are internally. Because our governments are in chaos. And our governments are the external representation of our inner duality between order and chaos. You know, healthcare, our healthcare system is not the cause. The healthcare system does not make us healthy or sick. It's whether we are healthy or sick that gives us a reflection of our healthcare industry. And brothers, we're really sick <laughs> because our healthcare industry is really sick. So all of these things are the effect. When these things are functioning as a form of inner evolution, when we evolve internally, then we will see improvements to our outer world. We'll see improvements to our religions. We'll see improvements to our sciences, to our governments, to our healthcare, just to our educational systems. But we're trying to improve the outer to gain more understanding of the inner. And this is backwards. The outer world is the effect of the inner world. And so all of these things, science, technology, medicine, education, religion, government, they're all showing us who we are internally, collectively. Now, again, most humans are not aware of this. Most pe people simply don't know that we are physically and energetically fundamentally one. And so the human drama plays out. <laughs> these people blame those people, right? These people from these religions blame those people and those people from those governments criticize those people, right? It's a part of the drama of misunderstanding. It's a part of the drama of not, well, it's a part of the drama of the beta condition. It's a part of the drama of not remembering your alpha state. The flaw here is the perception of the outer. Now stay with me here, brothers, right? Because I'm going to hit you with a deep concept that is mathematically sound and provable, and yet it's not taught in schools. 
Because I'm going to give you the flaw. I'm going to tell you where the error is. And I'm going to tell you that it's mathematically provable. Like we've proven that people are studying this. They're experimenting with this. But yet it's not taught in schools. And I think it's the reason why it's not taught in schools. At least one of the reasons why it's not taught in schools is because high school teachers don't even understand it. It's not their fault, of course. It's not the fault of the high school teacher. They have, they're given a curriculum. At least in the United States, they're given the curriculum that they have to teach. It's a federal curriculum. So even if a teacher wanted to open a discussion on quantum physics, it would have to be during extra time that wouldn't conflict with teaching the standard Newtonian physics that is required for standardized testing in college applications and, and SATs and so on. So instead, what is taught in schools is Newtonian physics. And there's nothing wrong with Newtonian physics, brothers. There's nothing wrong with Newtonian physics. In fact, I'm sure you know what I mean when I say Newtonian physics, right? Every action has an equal and opposite reaction, like energy states, right? The law of thermodynamics, these are Newtonian. Right? They have to do with large bodies of mass. Newtonian physics is a set of laws that were created hundreds of years ago. And we've advanced as a species quite far using these mathematical tools, We've created all kinds of machines, airplanes, cars. It's, it's crazy. It's wild. It's amazing. I'm not coming down on Newtonian physics. What I'm saying is Newtonian physics is what's taught in our schools. But here's the thing. And this is the concept that will blow your mind. And maybe not even just conceptually, but for me to tell you also that this is what scientists are currently working on in terms of theoretical application of quantum sciences. What might blow your mind is that this is no longer a concept. It's no longer a hypothesis. What I'm about to tell you has moved to the level of theory because it's been peer-reviewed and repeated, and here it is, a concept that should change the course of the human drama if only we were taught it and truly understood it. Here it is. Brothers, we don't discover what is already there. We create the possibility and determine it through curiosity and imagination. We don't discover the laws of the universe. We determine the laws of the universe through choice and belief, through intention. Now, I'm going to circle back to that because I know that's a huge statement. You might be like, what are you talking about? Are you saying that gravity was determined by human beings, right? That it didn't just exist always. That's what I'm telling you that the math of quantum physics is telling us, yes. And I know that that's wild, so let me circle back to it. First, I want to clear something up, because since we're talking about quantum physics, I want to tell you guys, a few weeks ago on the Particle Wave podcast, you know, the Double Split Experiment podcast, I made a statement that wasn't entirely incorrect. In fact, it was a lot of conjecture. And since then, I've gone in deeper to look at the math and realize my error, and I want to correct that error quickly. I'll do this as quick as I can. I had made the ad hoc assumption that the observer effect was possible outside of human interaction. I don't know if you guys remember this. If you don't remember this, it's okay. You can fast forward about two minutes. But basically, the conjecture was made from a form of mythology to conjure up gratitude as a vibration, T line, F line, etc. However, brothers, after looking more deeply into the actual math, there is nothing to suggest this is possible. Interacting machines and objects does not, according to the math, according to quantum math, does not create a particle. It does not collapse the wave function. The observer effect can't be modeled as an interaction. Now, some very smart people are working on this now in terms of quantum computation and artificial intelligence, where you might be able to have a machine that acts like a human or a human-type entity that is actually a machine. And that we may derive from these experiments, we may get some kind of understanding of what the filter is. We might understanding of 
we had an understanding of what the filter of perception is and how that's applied to the outer world. How and why one person sees one thing while another person sees another and how they start to argue and where one person says, I know the truth, and the person says, no, I know the truth. And how we can use the experiments to begin to break down those walls of perception. That's what we can use object interactions with. That's what we can use these machines with. And that's what people are working with artificial intelligence with. They're working with objectivity. They're working with perception. However, however, that being said, the math, there is no way the math, there's no way that to, to mathematize or to come up with a mathematical formula for the conscious observer. It all breaks down into object and instrument interaction. And the only way for the answer, quote unquote, the answer to be found is for someone to look, <laughs> which brings human consciousness back into it. And that's the Copenhagen interpretation. And I wanted to bring that up. I wanted to clear that up before moving forward, because that will bring up the next question, right? Which is, okay, then if human consciousness is required for reality to exist, if human consciousness is required for matter to take form, from matter to materialize from infinite potential. What happens when I'm not looking? Right? Does it all disappear? And this is why I'm saying we are determining the universe. We're not discovering it. Before we sent these telescopes out into space, before we sent the Hubble telescope out into space, right? Before we sent the James Webb, I think it was the James Webb telescope out into space, right? The James Webb telescope that was looking into other galaxies, other, you know, out, they, they was basically looking at the point of the Big Bang, right? The earliest points of the galaxies earliest points of the universe. Before we set those out there, none of it existed. We're determining it. We're determining with our imagination, with our consciousness. And so that question, what happens when I'm not looking? Does it all disappear? The answer is yes. And if you really understand what I just said, this will begin the process of blowing your mind. This is the first premise that led to my statements earlier. When you're not looking, nothing is there except for ways of potential. And when you are looking, you see the particles of experience. How do we know this? How can we ever observe this? And brothers, we can't. <laughs> we can't. Because as soon as we observe it, it becomes a particle. It becomes a part of the dream. It becomes a part of the illusion. The illusion is not the truth. It's the illusion. We observe it, it becomes a particle. The truth is the ultimate truth. Is what it was before it becomes a particle, before it becomes a part of the dream, before it becomes a part of the illusion. But the contemporary truth the illusion is that it becomes reality. It's like the light in the refrigerator. When the door is open, the light is on, right? When the door is closed, we assume the light is off, right? That's what they say, these refrigerator people that create these refrigerators. They, they make these refrigerators. They say, we, you open the door, the light goes on, you close it, light goes off, right? Little switch, keeps the light off, saves energy. We assume the light is off, but we don't know it's off because we have to open the door to check. And when we do open the door, the light goes back on. And this is the same thing. This is the same thing as what quantum physics is telling us is that when we're not looking, the light in the fridge is off. There's nothing there. When we look, when we open the fridge, the light is on. Now you might say, and this is where, of course, the double slit experiment comes in. You might say, look, Kevin, I can put a camera in the fridge and I can close the door. And then I'll know that the light is off when I close the door, right? And again, like I say, like this is the same argument the scientists watching the electron in the double split experiment said. They said, okay, look, we can just watch this thing. Let's just put a camera up and watch it. The problem is the moment it becomes watched, the moment you watch the recording, you become the observer. The moment you look at the recording that's in the fridge, you become the observer. Before you watch the recording, nothing is on it. Once you watch it, everything is there. And this may seem fantastical and insane. You're like, well, that's unprovable because the only way to 
prove this or to observe this or to have this um, experience is to observe it. And by observing it, we experience reality. How am I going to know what I'm not observing if I have to observe it to know what it is? <laughs> right? That's why it's fantastical. That's why it's insane. And the reason why it's fantastical and insane right now, the same way it was fantastical and insane when the first person said, hey, the world is round. I'm not even going to say it was Galileo, right? Because who knows? It's probably some Egyptian thousands of years before that. Or maybe it was some Atlantean, you know, 10,000 years before that. Who knows? Who cares? But imagine this. Imagine the entire world, the whole universe, all human collective thinking the world is flat. And some guy saying, the world is round, man. It's a ball. It's not a flat piece of paper. It's a round ball. It's a sphere. Now, of course, you think that's fantastical. That's insane. The world is a ball. What are you, crazy? It's obviously flat, like a board sitting on the back of a turtle. We all know this, right? So for me to say this to you, for me to say that, yes, when you're not looking at something, like if a tree falls in the woods and no one is around to hear, it doesn't make a sound. Well, the answer is no. And of course, our perception of the world is that, of course, it does. Because if no one is around, but we record it, we listen to it, the recording, then we can tell that it makes a sound. But that's only because you're listening to the recording. If no one's going to listen to the recording, then there's no sound. And again, that seems crazy. But that's because of the backwater education in the American school system that we've all received. We've all been taught that everything is in solid state. We've all been taught the Newtonian physics, that everything is solid liquid gas. Things have mass and matter and they collide. Things are in a stable, constant energy unless acted upon. All of these laws weren't discovered. They were created. They were determined. And then we just went along with them. All the math points to oneness, brothers. All the math points to a field of unity that isn't energy, it isn't wave, it isn't particle. And the more scientists try to use particles for figuring out the math, the more scientists try to use Newtonian physics particle physics, the more they get stuck, right? They get stuck in strings and loops and dimensions and circles and spirals and wiggles and only oneness gives a viable answer. But we are not discovering the answers, right? We're creating them. It's like in ancient Greece. It's like in ancient Greece when Ptolemy said, the earth is at the center of the universe and everything can be explained in circles. And he said this and he was a well-respected authority. Ptolemy was a well-known metaphysicist, right? He was he was a genius. Everybody respected him and loved him. So when Ptolemy said the earth is at the center of the universe and everything can be explained in circles, circles around the earth, circles around the sun, circles around the planet, circles and circles, creating retrograde movements. And he was able to do it. He was able to show that everything was based on circles. And he set up a system to explain everything in the universe as long as the earth was at the center and everything revolved around the earth. And everybody believed it. Everybody believed it. Everybody believed that the earth was at the center of the universe and that everything was based on circles. Just like everybody believed that the earth was flat and just like everybody believes in Newtonian physics, things change. We determine our universe by changing our beliefs. And so at this point, we have built a concept of reality that's not based on our perception of the senses, both because our human senses are so limited in nature, as well as the deepest levels of conditioning we receive from our past generations. Reality is not separation. It's not matter and space. It is not particle and void. That's what we perceive, but that's not what it is. But it's not even particle and wave either. You know, I use the term wave along with the rest of the quantum physics community as a way of describing behavior. The truth is the unified field of oneness isn't matter or energy. It's not particle or wave. It doesn't even exist in time and space as we know it. It is overlapped 
onto this physical experience and layered over mental, astral, and spiritual realms. You know, brothers, a unified field, mathematically speaking, is simply patterns, which we perceive as a way of understanding through the receiver that we call the brain, this, this, this gooey realm of information that we can't really get our hands on. Waves and particles, you know, these words, they just allow us to talk about this stuff in a way that we have understanding of. Because words are symbols, brothers, you understand? Like that's the idea of a wave, the idea of a particle. Words are symbols for things we see. I could say particle and you can think of a tennis ball, you can think of a marble, you can think of a rock. I say wave, you can think of a sound wave, light wave, you can think of an ocean wave, your water wave. We think in words of images and words are symbols of images. So the problem we have in trying to understand something that we've never seen, yet have a direct experience of, is that we have to create an image in the mind. We have to come up with a way of understanding, an image, a story, and this is called the mythology. This is our mythology. And our mythologies govern the way we determine our universe. Our universe is determined by our mythologies. The universe is determined by our consciousness. So as I mentioned in a previous episode, there are essentially two mythologies currently running and conditioning our show right now, running and conditioning our reality. There is the monarchy, right? There's the monarchy, the patriarchy, which is organized religion, which says God created everything and God is king and that's the source of everything. And we're being watched and judged by this ruler who sees all and knows all and determines our fate of our soul, right? That's one mythology. The other mythology is that there is no God. Everything is dead, right? Just dead matter. Electrical sparks fly up in an accident, which gives rise to life in an accidental corner of the universe. And now there are laws for how things behave. And thank goodness, you know, thank goodness for these laws that they exist, because without them, we wouldn't be here at all, right? And that's the scientific idea. So we have the religious idea and the scientific idea. And both ideas are erroneous. <laughs> in my opinion, both ideas are erroneous. In my opinion, both ideas are going to lead us into more and more trouble, as they already have, right? Because it's our, again, it's our consciousness that determines our universe. These two mythologies have been determining our experience. And they've led us into trouble. Clearly, given the effect both have created in our world of form. Neither religion nor science have done much to move the inner evolution of humanity because they're effects. You know, both are byproducts of evolution, but neither has evolved the species, never is the cause. These are effects of thought, not the cause of belief. However, people think that they're the cause of belief, <laughs> right? That they're actually the effects of belief. But they can easily become the cause when you stop thinking for your higher self. So if these two mythologies are not getting it done, then what is the new idea? What does quantum physics tell us about our world and ourselves? And brothers, this is why I teach you guys this stuff. It's more than math. It's more than physics. It's more than just boring academia. This is practical. This is for you to become an active participant in evolution, in changing the world. Because here's the new idea. Here's what we are currently creating as a collective through quantum physics. Quantum physics tells us that there is a creative power in the universe, a creative power that we all have in the universe. Quantum physics tells us mathematically. Now, I've called this creative power consciousness, and I've called it intention, right? But mathematically, we're now seeing this is true. This is not an idea anymore, right? This is something, well, it is an idea, but it's an idea that's now mathematically shown, demonstrated. Quantum physics tells us that there's also a God presence in the universe. Now, this is not a religion. It's not that there's God on high, sitting on a throne, whipping us into shape like the mythology of old. You know, this God presence I have called perfection. I've called it 
love. I've called it source. I've called it oneness. From those two ideas we've created with quantum physics, we see there is intelligence in the universe, that's intention, and we see there is benevolence in the universe, and that's goodness. This drives the law of attraction, energy healing, and other new thought ideas that are quickly becoming experimented on and becoming more and more mainstream. But brothers, this is what I want to tell you on this podcast episode. I know I've waited 30 minutes in to get to this main point, because this is the other thing that quantum physics tells us, and this is what I mentioned at the beginning, and I'm ready to deliver to you now as a mind-blowing concept. Here it is. Is that all the laws that we think are out there in the universe are actually not out there at all. Right? We think that gravity is out there. We think that thermodynamics is out there. Right? We think that these laws, right? These laws of momentum and velocity and you know, these laws that govern speed and time and distance are out there. Listen to me. Listen to me here as I say this. You may have to actually rewind this podcast and listen to this a couple times. The laws that come into being come into being because we put into the world, in some way, our understanding, our divine Knowing. In other words, the more we choose to understand and believe a mythology, the more that mythology settles into the dream we call reality. As long as we are taught and believe in Newtonian physics, we will live in a world of separation. We'll live in a world of action and reaction because that's what we're taught, because that's the mythology we believe, and therefore we intend that belief into being. And when we begin to learn and understand quantum physics, we will live in a world of unity where thoughts create experience. Uh, brothers, Alan Watts, a, a spiritual philosopher and writer, he would call this casting a net. I want to consider the unified field of eternal possibility to be the sea, right? To be the ocean. That's the unified field of oneness. It's the sea. And I've used this before to talk about the sea, to talk about oneness, talk about water and so on. Now, our understanding and current collective paradigm of the world is the net that we cast into the sea, right? And then the fish that we get from the net will be determined by the type of net that we cast. So net A will catch type A fish and net B will catch type B fish. So when we cast the religion net, the net of religion into the sea, into the field of oneness, we get fish like community. We get fish like generosity. We get fish like love. These things are in all religions. But we also get fish like division. We get fish like war. We get fish like genocide. These things are also in all religions. <laughs> and before you go defending your religion, I guarantee you I can find all of those in every religion. Now, we could continue to use this net and we could just deal with all the bad fish, right? Now, I could say it's the same with science, right? We cash the science net we get the science fish. Now, the science fish are going to give us some great stuff. They're going to give us some great stuff. They're going to help propel us physically. We're going to know more about our physical world. But we're also going to get, you know, for example, atomic energy. Atomic energy, yes, that's a wonderful thing. We know more about atoms. What else do we get from that, right? Again, war, destruction. So the net that we cast is going to give us the result is going to give us the fish. The sea doesn't change, brothers. The sea is abundant. 
It's eternal. It's full. They're, all the fish in the sea are there. They're all right under there. They're all right in the net. But the net is going to determine. If we cast a net, a big net with big holes in it, then we're going to catch big fish because all the little fish are going to slip through the holes. If we catch a little net with little fish, we're going to get a little fish, right? If we throw a net that's a triangle, it might be different than a net that's a square or a circle. If we catch a net that's vertical, maybe different than horizontal. If we if we drag a net versus versus dropping a net, all different types of nets. And we can continue to use the same net and deal with all the bad fish if we want to, right? Or we can choose as a species to cast a different net, right? Since we're all casting the Newtonian physics net right now and we're all bringing in the fish that comes from that net, what if we started casting the quantum physics net? What kind of fish, what kind of reality would we experience? The problem is that once humanity has been using a net, it's really hard for us to change. It's really hard for us to change individually. Imagine how difficult it is for us to change collectively. The other part of the problem is that we don't believe that the fish we are getting has to do with the net. <laughs> right, brothers? Humanity thinks that the fish have to do with the sea. So most people continue to cast the same net and get the same fish, and then they try to regulate or put laws on the fish. That's absurd. I mean, imagine that, trying to regulate the fish. We're just going to keep casting the same net. We're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, and then just we're just going to start to manage the results. Why not just stop doing the same thing over and over, right? That's the thing. That's, that's, that's casting a different net. According to this analogy, brothers, evolution is about constantly changing your net until you get the ideal bounty of fish. And this is true individually in a lifetime, as well as collectively throughout history. Unfortunately, so many people perceive evolution not as changing the net, but as changing what's happening in the sea. People perceive evolution as an outer occurrence that happens independent of our intentions and actions. The sea is infinite possibility. It has no place to evolve into. It's already fully evolved. It's fully one. Evolution comes from adjusting the net to get the desired fish, not trying to change the sea or to better manage the fish that you caught. You know what? You know what, brothers? I'll do an entire podcast episode on this analogy to go into more detail on this. But the point I want to make here on this episode before closing down for the week is that the laws of the universe didn't exist before we understood them. Of course, they did exist because everything exists. Everything exists in the gooey, sticky, unified field of oneness. Everything exists. But these laws that we're experiencing now in 2023, as we understand time, they've arrived because of the net that we've cast, because we've chosen to understand these specific laws. Because it had to do with Galileo, because it had to do with Ptolemy, because it had to do with Newtonian, because it had to do with Newton, it had to do with all these people. And we just say yes. We say yes, that's it. Yes, that's it. Yes, that's it. And we never think about questioning it. We never think about questioning it until something comes along, either one, something comes along that's better, or two, something stands in the way of our current paradigm. Now, quantum physics is better the Newtonian physics, number one. But number two, there are things standing in the way. We need to begin to look at this net. Furthermore, brothers, it is our understanding of these laws. It's our understanding of the net that creates our experience as a species. As dimensional beings, we are literally choosing our experience. I'll give you an example. 
and then I'll close off. Is it possible to breathe underwater? Yes. I know. I know it sounds wild, right? Is it possible to breathe underwater? Well, you might say no. And you say, oh, well, coach must be talking about a scuba suit. He's talking about a scuba tank, right? You know, self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. That's what scuba stands for. He's talking about scuba. Of course, I can breathe underwater if I'm wearing scuba apparatus, right? Scuba. That's not what I'm talking about. Is it possible to breathe underwater? Yes. Today, not without equipment, but a thousand years from now? Sure. And you might be thinking, no, coach, no. But here's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that if we, one by one, began to believe and create a way to practice breathing underwater, okay? So thought and action. It takes thought and action. It's not just thought. But if we believe and begin to create a way to practice breathing underwater, I believe in a thousand years we could do it. In a thousand years we could breathe underwater. It's an arbitrary amount of time, right? Maybe 500 years, maybe 5,000 years. I'm just saying a thousand years. My point is that the laws of the universe are determined by consciousness. They're not discovered by consciousness. You know, the laws that we currently have in the universe are determined by what we are curiously and imaginatively looking at, wondering about, playing with. That's what the scientists are doing. And that's why we're evolving. That's why we're changing. That's why our technology is advancing. So for you, so for you here at the end of this podcast, for you, what this is about is for you to know that you are determining your experience through your intention. And yes, there is a collective determining. Yes, as a collective, we are currently bound by our collective determination, right? You know, a thousand years ago, we were bound by a certain way the collective viewed, perceived the world, right? A thousand years ago was a much different time to live. Medicine was different. Technology was different. Their education was different. All the things, religions, governments were different. And we were bound by that. We were bound by those laws, those constructs, those beliefs. Before Newton, we were bound by laws. The Newton, before Newton, we were bound by other laws, right? Other laws that probably for Newtonian, for us in the world living in Newtonian perspectives, probably seem archaic outdated. And now the perspectives I'm talking to you about may seem fantastical and futuristic, but that's where we're going. That's where we'll end up. 100 years, 500 years, we will not be bound by these laws that exist because we give them power through our consciousness, through our intention. See, we are limitless beings living in a limitless world, and we're creating limitations through our perspectives through our consciousness. And that's what I have for you today. Until next week, my brothers, elevate your alpha. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Alpha Male Coach Podcast. If you enjoy what you've heard and want even more, sign up for Unleash Your Alpha, your guide to shifting to the alpha mindset at thealphamalecoach.com slash unleash.